Welcome to the Gregarious Mammal Podcast and in this episode I talk to Pierre from Ava about their fascinating AI music composer. For show notes and previous episodes, please visit gregariousmammal.com slash podcast, support us at slash support and find us on Facebook to interact with us and ask us questions. Enjoy the show. Right. So um, I am Pierre Moreau. I'm a CEO of AIVA. Uh, and AIVA is an artificial intelligence that composes music for soundtracks of uh, films, games, uh, TV shows, trailers, any type of entertainment in general. And uh, so people have, might have seen AIVA, well, I suppose it depends what circles you move in, but there was a sort of infamous NVIDIA keynote from last year. Right. Um, some of the games are um, – I'm not a massive gamer, but any games people might know where they might have heard the, the music? So, so far, we, we haven't done any massive games. Okay. Uh, it's actually a, um, a vertical that we've started getting interested into just recently. Uh, so, but we've done one recently, which is called uh, Pixel Field. It's um, it's an independent game uh, for mobile phones, so Android and, and iPhone. So not a big game, but it's quite addictive, actually. Yeah. Uh, and we, we composed uh, the main theme uh, for, for this game. And it, and it looks like, I mean, to me, I suppose one of the the very uh, easy use cases would also be probably ads, advertising, right. like especially short pieces of music that people don't pay a massive amount of attention to anyway. Um, it's probably a very good use case for you. Right. Yeah, it, it is a very good use case. I mean, both games and advertisement, because yeah. usually these these type of content are um, they, they they have uh, you know short short deadlines, especially for advertisements. Uh, they do have some uh, you know uh, some uh, some level of, of quality requirements, uh, but maybe they don't, they don't need to record the music with um, with a real orchestra. I mean, it depends for for games, but um, but you know not not everybody can uh, pay themselves yeah. uh, a full orchestra. So so yeah, it's definitely th- those type of clients are very inclined to um, to buy music for us. Also, actually um, in the game business it's very interesting because uh, games nowadays start to have hundreds of hours of gameplay mm. uh, but only two hours of music mm. so it means essentially the same music loops uh, 50 times over which uh, you know can be uh, painful for uh, for the gamers and um, but at, at the same time no human composer in the world can actually uh, compose <laughs> hundreds of hours of music right nice. so so it's interesting to to see AI going into use cases where um, where human alone are not are not enough uh, and and it, it's kind of nice because you could imagine having this AI uh, take the existing work of, of the of the composer so the, the two hours of, of music and then uh, make it feel like a hundred so essentially compose additional music arrange um, the detail, the two hours of music so um, so yeah it's kind of important for us to, to say that because it means that you know uh, AI does it, the, the things that it's best at and then the, the humans are still very relevant into setting the, the sort of um, creative direction mm. uh, artistic decision and so forth but it's actually so I'm interested now because your, your website doesn't say a, a great deal about what actually happens um, so there's a there's a couple of examples you have one video from the Luxembourg National Day um, yeah. with an orchestra playing a piece uh, and then you talk about uh, games and soundtracks. But so, what does Iva actually generate? Does it generate score or MIDI score that then can be played by something else? Be that 
a real orchestra or be that a, uh, a MIDI generator or whatever it may be, um, what does it actually generate? So the AI is a composer, so it, it does generate a, a MIDI. It learns from scores, so it, it encoded in the MIDI format, uh, scores of, of music, and then the output is a score itself. Uh, and, and the idea for that is to be flexible to either record with digital instruments, um, so virtual instruments, which nowadays can be very convincing in terms of quality. And then uh, at the same time, we also have, because it's a score, we have the flexibility to um, record with real people, real musicians. Mm. Um, and yeah, generating audio with AI is a much harder pro- problem yeah. that uh, we're not very interested in solving, at least for now. Yeah, I imagine because I was fascinated, especially watching the orchestra example, where you know, in an orchestra, you often have multiple people playing the same instrument. Uh, I mean, right. traditionally for probably for volume, but also for sort of subtlety and things like that. And um, I was sort of wondering, yeah, how you would replicate something like that digitally uh (laughs) sort of uh yeah i was that's why i was interested to know quite what gets generated and and then i suppose that means how you can generate gameplay because you can feed sorry gameplay music because you can feed various inputs into the generation and in some respects each game could almost be different as well in terms of the soundtrack exactly Uh, yeah Exactly. I mean, nowadays you see evolving, uh, evolving stories uh, based on um, uh, based on conscious or unconscious decisions of, of the gamers. Mm. So you know, if, if uh, a gamer decides to do a particular thing or talk to another character in a, spe- a specific manner, it, it might affect the story in a significant way. Mm. So it makes sense that the the, 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 the music could also evolve. Uh, depending on on all of these uh, different um, uh, you know scenarios uh, made possible by the player, so um, yeah, it's it's very interesting to to have uh, to have MIDI because you, you you can you can do the the, the score essentially with AI, yeah. and then you also have the ability to uh, to record it with a digital instrument um, to make it scalable for for the games. But at the same time, if you yeah. want to do other use cases like uh, record with the orchestra that you saw on YouTube, then uh, it's also possible. And it would keep the file size very small. It wouldn't add much overhead yeah. to the game at all. The exactly. AI is is just in quote marks code, and then the MIDI is MIDI, which is also very small in terms of file size. And you have these sort of infinite variations of music without very little impact on the actual <laughs> size of it at all. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, so how did you come up with the idea in the first place? What motivated uh, the company to? start and, and do this right well first of all we're all musicians in the team mm. um also we're all very passionate about technology uh personally i'm um i'm uh, i'm from a, a family of uh, musicians and artists mm. so my my father is a film and music mm. producer uh, my mother uh sings uh, she was a singer so um so always had a, this passion for music technology also for for movies and, and uh, creative contents that's uh, so why i co-directed the documentary when i was 15 years old with my dad mm-hmm. um so all that sort of led to understanding that in the in the entertainment business when music is created for entertainment as a soundtrack uh there are you know there are artistic decisions but there are also a lot of constraints uh, it's not you know um you, you do have to answer to your client 
it. And sometimes uh, composers have to to make uh, uh, music that they wouldn't necessarily uh, want to make, uh, but they have to make because mm. that's what the director wants mm. and that's uh, that's what the the story requires. Um, and so, you know, with these constraints in mind, we 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 thought that it would be interesting to have an AI um, sort of um, uh, do the do the, the the dirty work of of um, of creating. Um, of creating uh, music for these constraints uh, and and giving uh, hopefully more room for uh, creators like composers to uh, to to uh, focus on the artistic decisions and the, the decisions that uh, are more um, fulfilling. Mm. I mean, it actually. It, I used to be a musician as well. I played in kind of a, a back in the day a, a British sort of rock band in the early two thousands, and it's. Actually, one other aspect, I don't know if this is something you've thought of. I don't know if there's a very big, well, there's certainly not a big market for, for rock bands, but maybe for composers and things. But actually, I guess, uh, more of a sort of self-serve, uh, version of the, of the AI where a musician can, you know, in, to, to alleviate, um, a writer's block to, Right, get some inspiration to start a piece and then finish it off themselves, or maybe use the whole thing. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I don't know if you want to start charging royalties, but yeah, um, you know, as a sort of inspiration point. Uh, and I guess you have programs like GarageBand and stuff that do this a little bit, um, but yeah. to a certain point, they do it at the moment. Right. Yeah. No. We, we definitely thought of that, and uh, I think what um, what we don't what we want to be able to uh, to do before uh, is to to have the AI sort of respond to additional um, uh, additional uh, types of data like uh, uh, like uh, pieces of text, images, uh, a, a ways for people to interact with um, with the AI and, and tell it what to do without necessarily. Uh, you know, having uh, having musical knowledge, mm. uh, so as to to give uh, everybody a chance to to be able to create music, mm. um, and it, it sort of relates to uh, to our, our more specific goals in the B two B industry of uh, you know generating music for games. Here, you actually have to take um, you know text scripts, uh, images as a conditional input. Uh, to to make sure that the the music you generate is actually uh, fitting the, the the content you're scoring, so um, so yeah, I think I think in the future, uh, I mean we 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 weren't like set on a on a roadmap for that, but I think in the future we'll definitely see uh, that kind of tool because you know, because that's 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 how uh, that's kind of how the humans already uh, you know do their work of composing music. They they listen to other people's work and they get inspired from it, uh, but it, sometimes that that leads to confusions mm-hmm. like. Um, like plagiarism problems so yeah having a uh, having an ai that you know creates a lot of different things and can inspire people without without those problems that, that certainly could be great you actually said something quite fascinating there in passing um about feeding in a script um i mean <laughs> so yeah actually how how do you feed in um inspirations into either like what form can they take and how flexible is that Right. So right now it's, um, it's mostly, uh, music data. So, um, for example, if a client says, I want a music, uh, in this style, I want a track in the style of, um, uh, John Williams or Beethoven or one of these composers, then we can uh, tell the AI to, to look at specific styles and then, um, and then try to generate, uh, music that is uh, close to that style. Um, but, uh, going forward, what we're interested in doing is having, uh, some kind of, of module in our AI that can, uh, extract 
extracts thematics and emotion from, let's say, uh, a piece of text. Maybe it's a character description. You know, if mm-hmm. if you consider uh, a character, you can maybe uh, understand their persona, understand their past, their um, their general their general mood. You know, mm-hmm. and and that can that can then be translated into music. I mean, that's what that's what John Williams did uh, very successfully. I think with um, the Imperial March for uh, for the Star Wars soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it the the, the the music recaps very well the the character uh, that the this theme represents uh, and and its moods and and related atmosphere so it's a it's sort of similar thing that we want to do here and, and then once your your AI is able to uh, to understand um, data like text essentially there's a lot of solutions existing out there that can uh, translate for example videos to text or images to text so it's a uh, text is almost like an interface to everything else. Uh, so then you can condition uh, the algorithm on uh, potentially on images and videos. Yeah, I mean, it starts to get <laughs> quite fascinating, the, the sorts of inputs you could take. I mean, um, and you'd have to sort of balance off the, the, the different inputs because, yeah, like if someone said, I want a song that sounds like this, but then you feed in the script and in, in a sort of AI's mind, they don't necessarily match. You could end up with quite a sort of cacophony in, in, right. <laughs> in some respects. I mean, you know, it's like the, the John Williams example is a good one, but there's plenty of times where the music doesn't necessarily match what's going on. And yeah, that works true. really, really well in, in certain cases. <laughs> so. and, and, and I think for, the, for, for those cases, uh, what's really important is almost the, uh, the human decision of what mm. music to... Because um, essentially AI is here just to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to reduce the yeah. time, to, right. to remove a writer's block. But it's not, it's not, at the end of the day, it's not going to remove the genius of a composer or director saying, well, actually, I want the music to be uh, completely opposite to what's on the pictures so as to fool the... Um, Mm. To, so as to fool the audience into thinking something else. Um, so, you know, all, all of these creative decisions and, and intentions almost will, will still be uh, carried out by humans. Uh, but what AI can do is just generate a lot of different things yeah. um, to, to help those content creators. I think that's, that's kind of what we hope that AI will be. It'll be a, a tool for humans to use, much like every other tool we've ever created and not a replacement. Right. But that remains to be seen. <laughs> that's what we hope. But, uh, yeah. Um, and I, and I like that was, I mean, as a, as musician to the aspect that someone still has to play it unless it's a, a game or something right. is, is, right. is nice. Um, yeah. Uh, but when this, let's get to the output then. So, it, you you feed in this this input at the moment, and then what happens? Like, is it just fairly generative based on analysis, or have you actually somehow taught the AI like theory of music, or you know, <laughs> how does yeah, it generate it, something? So essentially, it reads uh, fifteen thousand pieces of uh, of uh, music, yeah. uh, so music written by um, Mozart, Beethoven, Bach, all the great composers. Yeah. And by reading all this music, it, it basically makes uh, yeah an understanding of, of music theory rules, and it practices um, uh, with a, with a set of tasks. For example, one of the tasks could be uh, predicting. Uh, from from a few bars of music, predicting what uh, notes will come next mm-hmm. in the track, and um, 
and um, by predicting uh, the, the right nodes that come next, it's able to uh, to you know to um, tweak its model and perfect its model of understanding of what music theory is. And once it got this model of music theory, it can um, um, it can create to the original pieces just like a, a human composer would. It, it's interesting. So one other uh, area I'm quite uh, interested in is board games and. Obviously, there's been two right. very famous AIs that have played very specific games, so chess and Go. Right. Um, and I was reading uh, early last year or late in 2016 that um, one of the next steps here was to try and make like a, a general game engine that it doesn't have to, the AI doesn't have to have a knowledge of hundreds of thousands of potential moves in previous right. games you can just feed it the rules and it then can learn how to play that game from zero and i guess right. in some respects the way you describe it uh Ivo is working at the moment is that sort of in quote marks older version of ai but do you ever foresee a time especially if you're going to feed in things like scripts or characters or plot where right. Instead, it's the other way around. It's like, well, it has a, a concept of the theory of music, Western music, Eastern music, whatever. And here's the script and the characters. Here's uh, some words to describe feeling. Go. <laughs> and it doesn't analyze anything. It just works with those inputs. I mean, is that something you could think would ever be possible in the near future or... So essentially, the the, the main thing with um, AI trained on on board games is that um, they're they're using slightly different strategies that we we call um, um, uh, sorry the um, uh, I forgot the <laughs> the, the name is it the um, adversarial. Uh, no, no, it's no. not adversarial training. It's um, reinforcement learning. Okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah. And um, essentially, with uh, b reinforcement learning, just a very, very high-level description is that uh, you you get a, a reward for completing a, mm. uh, a task. So, for example, if you if you win the game, uh, then you can consider that as a as a good reward, as a, as a positive reward. So then you you, you can improve by uh, by following this uh, this uh, this reward. Um, but in, in music, it's kind of really hard to say, you yeah. know, this is the good outcome or this is the bad outcome. It's very, it's very subjective. Um, so that's why for now, you know, board games are, are more able to, uh, to be, uh, unsupervised. So not training with as much data or with no data at all. For example, in the case of AlphaGo, um, but, uh, with music, uh, we, we have this problem of having this sort of, uh, you know, uh, good or bad, uh, metric. Mm. And that's actually something that we're working on. We're working on, uh, being able to evaluate, uh, uh the music generated by AI, uh, automatically. So, um, essentially doing what, uh, a human's, um, music, uh, music ear would do, you know, mm. listen to a piece and say, okay, this sounds good. And uh, this doesn't sound so good. Obviously, the the human um, ear is um, is quite uh, subjective. Uh, so here, what we want to do is uh, give a score that indicates really the the, the, the minimum amount of quality that's needed to uh, to pass a, so that a, a track can pass as human made. Mm. And um, and once you once you have that, well. You you could potentially say well if you if you give um, you know some some basic rules uh, to to this network and you give it a, a metric that can tell it whether or not 
you know, uh, what it created sounds human, um, then potentially you could have some, some more um, unsupervised uh, ways of, uh, of training the algorithm. But it's slightly more complex yeah. than, um, than with games because games are very well-defined. Um, you you uh, say that, but, but actually uh, the one other interesting aspect I was reading was that um, at the moment, uh, at the moment, of course, uh, games like chess or AlphaGo have one winner, one loser. Uh, that's reasonably... Um, easy to equate but then uh, the sort of more euro style games where maybe you have four players and you have variances in winning and losing has the same sort of problem it's not so cut and dry it's not so clear about who wins who's lose, who loses <laughs> right and yeah you, it's, you could win with one point you could win with 50 points um it's it, still it, it, it's still it, it, it's still less subjective than music of course but <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah no it's I, I think I think for sure, like it's it's more challenging, for example, to take a, a 3D computer game um, and try to automate that with, I mean, automate <laughs> the, 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 the game with with AI. But um, but still, you know, you have an outcome. Even even for us humans, you know, the, yeah. the only reason why we play games is because at the end it says, oh, you won the game or you lost the game. Yeah. And yeah. even yeah. if it's a, a tight one, it's still you won the game. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, you know, if you, if you reduce the, the, the sort of, um, problem of, uh, subjectivity in music to a, an objective problem of trying to measure what is the, the minimum amount of, of quality that you need to, to have a music that passes as, as human made music, then potentially you could have a win or lose situation where it's, it's only a, a binary decision. It's, it's either you're human made or you, you're just, um, you know, gibberish, yeah. uh, made by machine. So, uh, so yeah, potentially uh, there could be uh, you know uh, unsupervised ways of, of training the algorithms, but that's um, no, yeah, we'll see yeah. in, in the future. I think there's plenty of work to uh, before we get there, though. And and I so I suppose you actually with this sort of trained uh, uh, algorithm, you have the ability to also introduce things that don't always make sense in music, like discordance that in certain. You know, often they it kind of breaks the rules of musical theory, right. but it works in certain contexts. But because you don't have to teach it the rules, you just say, "Hey, here's some, you know, here's some Nirvana, here's some punk music, here's stuff that sounds like that. Figure it right. out." <laughs> yeah, it, you can it, also get uh, the stuff that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely the interesting side. I mean, it's funny because. Um, so our our algorithm trained mostly on classical music or yeah, music, yeah. and and then once we had this uh, this piece that slightly sounded uh, Celtic, yeah. So uh, even though we never showed the Celtic music, so it, it was quite uh, quite interesting. Maybe maybe you know it's just us that interpreted the the music as being more Celtic, mm. uh, but uh, also because it's 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 more random. I mean, by by definition, these algorithms are statistical, so mm. there is some aspect of randomness in, in it. Uh, you know, it could create um, it could create things that you would not not have expected. Just like uh, just like sometimes you know humans uh, when 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 people first created jazz, you know, it was it was almost considered a, a, an outrage yeah, for yeah, uh, for the yeah. music establishment, but just because it was so different and yeah. and so against the rules. So yeah, it's quite interesting. But I mean, ignoring the subjectivity, and of of course, but I mean, music at its core is actually fairly algorithmic. Um, which yeah. I, there's, there's, I had an interview with a 
with a, a drummer a few months back where we talked about the correlations between there's a lot of like there's a lot of programmers who are musicians and vice versa and yeah. then there's a lot of programmers who listen to music and you know there's actually a lot of correlations between the way huh. your brain works between the two and the principles i mean music right. works on a lot of cycles and naturally kind of occurring algorithms and things like that that's that's why things sound right <laughs> or not oh yeah for sure <laughs> it's, it's quite fascinating <laughs> I, I think, that way i mean and bach i think said uh, said that his music used uh, was very uh, mathematical and yeah. in general if you if you look at uh, film music these days it's uh, it's very well encoded you know you have a specific if, if you if you if you're um if you're watching an action sequence you're expecting a type of music and it's almost <laughs> uh, you're being fed exactly what you're expecting yeah. so, so yeah. it's it's very codified and you know it's true it's almost like you're you're trying to encode some kind of uh, some kind of um intention so yeah it's definitely mathematical in a way so what have some unexpected outputs been so i guess question one would be um you you fed in some some uh, some inputs and the result was just i don't know completely extreme opposite i mean guessing in the early days you probably had a lot of that but you know more recently maybe <laughs> yeah. you know just something it's just like this is absolutely nothing like we were expecting um, and maybe another sort of unintended output might be you fed in some uh, inspiration and the output basically just was a, a carbon copy or, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. So um, actually the, the carbon copy um, case doesn't happen. Okay. Uh, so we have an, uh, an algorithm that checks for plagiarism. Okay. Um, but usually unless we overtrain algorithms, um, it's very unlikely that they will actually um, – uh, copy a um, uh, piece, so so yeah, we haven't seen that happening a lot. But yeah, for for the for the the pieces that are a little bit um, funky and all over the place, no, that still happens. Yeah, uh, and there still needs to be some you know some human involvement into like uh, listening to the piece and making sure that they're okay. Um, potentially removing some uh, some some noise. Um, so so yeah, there there's still some funky results. Okay. Uh, but some, but at the same time, you know, if you if if, if 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 you constrain too much these kind of algorithms, then it can, you know, remove some of the interesting stuff. So um, so we try to um, to improve them in a way that's uh, you know we're, we're not imposing uh, just a set of rules uh, because otherwise it would just produce always the same music and it would, yeah, that would be sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Ivor has had an album. Uh, I yes. don't really know how to do how to. How to refer? Is, is it a, you know, an AI? Isn't necessarily a, a collective thing, but Iva has an album, had an album. Um, yeah. Is that was that the first AI generated album released? Or? Uh, no, it wasn't actually. Um, actually, there was a, a professor in, in the US uh, called David Cope. Mm. Uh, he worked. Uh, I mean, you could you could argue it wasn't like the same type of AI that um, that we talk about uh, today. So nowadays we talk uh, AI means more like uh, neural networks, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, deep neural networks, machine learning, all these all these things. Um, and uh, and David Cope back in his days. Um, 
I can't exactly remember when he, he started his first album, but um, but yeah, he didn't use uh, neural networks, um, so he used uh, I would say less advanced uh, techniques, but still advanced at the time. Yeah. Uh, and he composed uh, with his uh, machine. He composed music in the style of uh, Bach, I think okay. Vivaldi as well. I mean, the various types of uh, classical composers, and uh, the results were interesting. Okay. Um, so yeah. And, and how well received was Genesis, which is the name of the album? Right. <laughs> not well, not the think, band Genesis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, not the band. Um, no, overall, I think it was well received. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's obviously critics out there that don't believe uh, this is good or don't believe that this is right. Um, but we know we can't please any everyone. And uh, in general, when we get to speak to musicians and explain that you know we're not trying to, uh, well, first we're not trying to to replace them, and even if we want wanted to it it's um it's a very hard job because ai is not as uh, as easy and or advanced as what uh, the general public thinks it is mm-hmm. there's still a lot of, uh, of challenges for example in, in our case to really improve our algorithms we need a better sense a better way to to measure um the the quality of a uh, of a music so that's what we're working on but um it's not you know it's not the trivial uh trivial problem to solve so mm-hmm. so yeah it's not like if we can just uh uh, snap our fingers and then everybody will will, um, will will be out of the job so no so <laughs> once we get to 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 educate people uh, and to show them a little bit about our process to show them that you know uh, musicians are still recording that we're very interested in more uh, use cases like uh, the the personalized music for for games as opposed to uh, you know uh, replacing the, their their jobs it's i think the the, posit- uh, the conversation is a lot more positive yeah also what we like to do is is, um, is not to say anything uh, before we show the music. So we, we show the music to, to musicians, and they hear it, and then uh, and then you know they give their feedback without knowing that's uh, uh, who composed the, the music. So usually the you know people say that it's uh, it's good music. Uh, some say it could be better, but uh, none in general are able to understand that this is an AI. Uh, I mean, I think we had only once we had someone who said, well, there, there's something interesting in this music, but I can't re- uh, really uh, point my finger on what it is. And then when we uh, we said who composed the music, well, the person was like, yeah, it makes sense. But that only happened once. So, Okay. Um a couple more sort of business questions, and I actually want to ask you a question, a question about Luxembourg. <laughs> um, so, I guess, what's your plans for the, the the next six months, the next year? But also, how how do you even go about convincing people that they need your services? Or yeah, it seems probably like it's a reason well i'm not sure i suppose if you save people money <laughs> it's, it's one way of convincing them but yeah how do you convince people to actually to use Iver at the moment right so up till now you know we've been working more as a as a as a service so mm-hmm. yeah people come to us with uh, music needs just like they would uh, go to a regular composer uh, obviously we can uh, be a little bit more cheap uh, and, and flexible in mm-hmm. terms of um of the the timing 
uh, I mean, definitely more flexible in terms of timing um, and uh, in terms of the style of the music we can uh, we can produce. I mean, soundtrack music is a very uh, a vast um, uh, genre, so we can compose music in the style of uh, any composer, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in that sense, that's how we've been working so far. But what we're interested in doing uh, for the next year and then years to come is to really fulfill those use cases uh, that humans alone cannot solve. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one example is the the game example with the, the the two hours of music produced by humans and then uh, hundreds of hours of gameplay and having this same music blue fifty times over. We want to be able to solve that. And essentially, since there's you know no other solution on the market, it, that appeals to to game developers because we're essentially offering something that's uh, an offer that's yeah. totally new and that you know adds value to it. It makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. And makes complete sense. And actually, you know, if you if you think a little bit uh, a little bit deeper, it's it's not just for games, but uh, but also brands who want to have uh, music in their in their shops. I, I was uh, actually just thinking this. I was actually just thinking this as you were talking. Like I used to work in a shopping center years ago, and this kind of you can actually tailor this the ambient music to suit the time of day, to suit exactly. the amount of people. You know, start playing like faster, loud music when you want people to leave and, <laughs> and yeah. things like that. Yeah, it's actually, and no one wants to make that music. No musician really wants to write that kind exactly. of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and even if they wanted to, it would be like so many hours, and and you know they wouldn't be able to be paid well. So, uh, so, and I think the only alternative to that right now is is sort of stock music, mm, and mm, I don't mm. think that stock music is an industry that actually benefits artists. No, no, not not well. I don't know. I don't really have any experience, but even my experience of synchronizations has never been as lucrative as you would hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. It's yeah. It's a really yeah. It's it's quite fascinating. I, it's. I think the aspect that you still, uh, well, apart from the, the games and the generative aspect, you still need people to play it sort of makes it less scary, but it's, a, <laughs> it's a, it's a really interesting technology. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's quite fascinating, but yeah, so I, I alluded to you, you're based in Luxembourg. I've, I've met, um, I've met the Luxembourg, I don't know, trade delegation, whatever they called. I can't quite remember okay. at a few conferences in, in Germany and in, uh, I think possibly Web Summit, Mobile World Congress. I'm not sure all these sort of big events around Europe. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of it, Luxembourg is infamous in a, for a few startup uh, models like blockchain and <laughs> cryptocurrency <Right>. because <laughs> of sort of financial benefits. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're also sort of quite conveniently located, uh, but but small. I mean, what's it like running a, a startup or a, a, a tech company in Luxembourg at the moment? Yeah, I mean it's it's nice, you know. It's um it's a small city, so uh, I mean there's a, any everything you need close by when when you're a startup and you don't really have much time to uh, to uh, I don't know um, commute or, or anything. Uh, it's a very international place, so it's great for um, you know people joining us from various countries. Uh, our employees because they they don't you know they, they can speak English. It's fine. Um, it's it's not too. Um, it's not. It's not like in the middle of. Uh, I don't know. The middle of France, where mm-hmm. where people uh, you know would only mostly speak French. Mm. Uh, 
it's it's also very well connected to other places. You know, I can I can take a, a, an easy jet or something and, and be in London in, in no time. Yeah. The, the airport is like ten minutes away from our office, so it's it's really easy to to get somewhere. Uh, and in general, it's just a very business friendly place. Um, yeah. Luxembourg is, is very well known for that. So, yeah, I mean, we sure. said, and also we were living there. So uh, we said, yeah. why not? You know? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, mean, I suppose it's kind of like Switzerland, but it is part of the European Union, isn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, also it's, yeah. it's. I think it's not like um, it's not surrounded by mountains. So no, 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 not as controversial as Switzerland so it can sometimes <laughs> be as well. <laughs> I no, no. actually intended to come and have a visit. I, I, I sort of almost specialize in writing a lot about um, areas you hadn't thought about for startups. So I've mostly gone east and southeast, uh, like Ukraine, Balkans, okay. uh, places like that, but. Uh, Often, uh, Luxembourg's been on my list actually (laughs) (laughs) to come and have a look at. But, um, yeah. Uh, is there anything we haven't discussed that you want to make sure people know about you or, or the, the technology? Um, I think, no, I think we covered everything really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I will definitely, uh, I, I might, uh, pull into the article a little bit about some of the earlier, um, was it Jonathan Cope, you said? Uh, David, David Cope. Cope. David Cope, yeah, you mentioned. David I Cope. might pull that in a bit as well and have a look at some of the history of things. Um, oh yeah. I mean, the, the, essentially, uh, um, for as far back as we, we had computers, uh, mankind tried to make noise with it. So, <laughs> so well, yeah, I, I actually, I remember back in, well, I think back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, but <laughs> I used to use Amiga's, um, Octomed was a program. I, it's strange. Very few people seem to remember it, but it was very advanced for the time because they managed to double the, uh, channels you could work with from four to eight um somehow and that included midi and uh uh recorded audio Uh, and i used to almost program music like i used to write on the kind of midi stave myself so it sounded very robotic actually the music (laughs) but sometimes yeah i don't know it's uh midi is a very old protocol it's i think people forget how old it is and it's changed very little really (laughs) that's true yeah but anyway um yeah really interesting to speak to you uh if i do make it to luxembourg maybe i'll uh come and visit um sure yeah i can imagine it's probably fairly easy to visit most of the startups in luxembourg fairly relatively quickly because it's not that big so (laughs) so, so, um yeah uh thanks very much for your time it's been great to speak to you